It's the day before the Queen's funeral. And I've been debating all week about what to speak on this morning. Now the phrase that came to mind in my thinking of the Queen and the way she has faithfully served for over 70 years as the monarch was the phrase for one of the parables we've already done. I think it was one that Andy did. It was, well done, good and faithful servant. I think that sums up the Queen. And I'm sure that's what God said to her when she arrived in heaven. It was, well done, good and faithful servant. And I thought I could maybe speak about her life of service and dedication centering around this phrase. But I didn't really want to rehash a parable that we've already done just to make it fit what I wanted to say. Then I thought about comparing her life with the life of King David, a young boy who was not destined to be king, just like Elizabeth was not destined to be queen. David was anointed by Samuel long before he became king, just like Elizabeth suddenly went from being a girl who would always be a princess, the niece of the future king, to suddenly being in line to become the future queen when her uncle abdicated and her father became king. There are a lot of comparisons that could be made looking at the lives of King David and Queen Elizabeth that would be interesting to explore. But in waiting on the Lord, I felt I wanted to continue with the parable that comes after the two parables I spoke about last week, the parables of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, as found in Luke 15, 1 to 10. Now we're going to continue in Luke chapter 15, reading from verse 11 to the end of the chapter. It's quite a long read, so just bear with me. Luke 15, 11 to 31. Jesus has just spoken about the parable of the, the lost sheep and the lost coin. And he says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up, and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. 
For the Son of Man was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has, come, he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you've never given me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Now in my NIV Bible, the heading is the parable of the lost son linking it to the previous parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. This parable is also known as the parable of the prodigal son. And most times when people preach on this portion of Scripture, the focus is always on the son. But I don't want to do that today. I want to focus on the father and how he reflects the character of God in the way he behaves in this parable. The younger son, by asking his father for his inheritance, is basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Then I can have what is due to me and go and do Sorry. And go and do what I want to do. I can't imagine how that father felt when his son said that to him. And I think as fathers, how yeah, those of us who are fathers, it would shock us if our son or daughter came to us and said that. The father obliges and divides his property between his sons. He gives each son their inheritance. The younger son receives a third of the estate and the older son receives two-thirds of the estate. The older son always received a double portion of the inheritance. I spoke about that in my sermon on the parable of the rich fool on the 17th of July. You can watch that sermon if you want and find out more about it on, our, on the church website. The younger son goes off and squanders his inheritance with hedonistic living and finds himself at rock bottom, feeding pigs and not having enough to feed himself. He gets sucked into the ways of the world and is soon without anything of value and so becomes valueless to those who were enjoying his extravagance. Once he had nothing, he was worth nothing to them and finds himself living in the dirt, feeding pigs. His father sees nothing of this. He's back home with his older son, continuing to do what he has always done, work hard and provide for those who work with him and for him. But each day he's on the lookout for his younger son. We don't know when it was that he took time out from his working to search the horizon for his younger son, but he did it. Now, could it be that the fields of his farm, the fields that he worked in, 
all faced the road that the sun would have to come down um, to get home. So no matter where he was working in the fields, he would be able to see anyone approaching their home. He would see them on the horizon. I'm sure the father knew in his heart that his son would one day come home, and he did not give up hope, but continued in hope to search the horizon all the while that he was in the fields. Finally, that day came, and the father saw a dusty, disheveled, and dirty man coming into view on the horizon. And he just knew it was his son. He was not in the finery and splendor that he was wearing when he headed out into the world all that time ago, but was now a pitiful sight, dirty, dusty, and barefoot, limping his way back to the place he had turned his back on, that he had once called home. He was now coming back to ask forgiveness and looking to be hired as a servant, and rightly so, because of his previous behavior. The father did not wait for the son to make his way down the road to where he was, but he did something that was considered undignified at that time. He ran to his lost son and embraced him in all his dusty, disheveled dirtiness and kissed him and welcomed him. When the father started running towards his son, the other workers in the field, his servants, must have followed to see who it was that he was running to. Because after the son has begun his confession, the father tells his servants to go and get the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger and put sandals on his feet. Now the robe, ring, and sandals that the servants brought did not belong to the son. They weren't items that he had left behind when he left, but rather they were a robe, ring, and sandals that belonged to the father. They were his. They were what he wore on special occasions. They were not his everyday clothes. Now, I'm sure we've all seen Queen Elizabeth in her fine robes and jewelry when she's presiding over special occasions over the decades that she's been queen. It would not have been that extravagant, but it was that type of occasion for the father, where only the best of what he had was to be bestowed upon his lost son who had come home. Now, I just need to say this about the queen. She's not lost to us or the royal family. We know exactly where she is. She's in the presence of her king, the Lord Jesus Christ, rejoicing with the Father and the heavenly host. And we need to be rejoicing about that. The love of the Father for his Son is compassionate, extravagant, and excessive. In clothing him in the robe, placing the ring on his finger, and the sandals on his feet, the Father is covering the sin and saying, you are not a servant, you are my son, my child. You are mine, and I am yours. Your past is forgiven, your future is assured. You are home, and you belong to me. You belong here with me. The father then orders the servants to get the fatted calf and kill it, so they can celebrate and have a feast. The celebration is in full force when the older brother comes on the scene. 
Which field he comes from, I'm not sure. He obviously wasn't in the field with his father, or else he would have seen his brother coming and known what the celebration was all about. He must have been in another field. He gets angry and refuses to go in to celebrate with his father and whoever else was there. I'm pretty sure it was all the servants and the staff that were there and any neighbors that he could rouse up and say, come and join me, my son is back. The older brother was not excluded from the celebrations. He was welcome to join in, but rather chose to get angry and remain outside instead of come in and party. The father goes out and pleads with him to come and celebrate the return of his lost son. The son refuses and protests to his father that in all the years he had slaved for his father, his father had not once given him even a young goat to celebrate with his friends. Now the older brother's response can sometimes be our response. When we see someone who's lived a life of debauchery and extravagance get saved and get celebrated while we have faithfully been serving, never stepping out of line, never bringing shame or dishonor to the Lord or His church, giving our all for God and His kingdom, and we feel overlooked and unimportant. When or if we feel like this, it shows our lack of understanding of what Father God has already given to us. Remember, when the younger son asked for his inheritance, it says the father divided his property between them, between the two sons. He gave the younger son his inheritance, and he also gave the older son his inheritance. The father needed to remind the older son of this. He says, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. As a son or daughter of God, everything that he has is yours. You don't have to beg him for it. He has already given it to you. You just need to take hold of that which he has given to you. What need do you have right now? Ask Father God for the provision that he has for you. He taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. As we've celebrated communion and eaten of the bread, just remember that. Give us this day our daily bread. We need to ask him for what we need for this, this day. Not for in the future, but for this day. Each and every day we ask him. God has the provision for us already. Now I'm not speaking about name it and claim it, but about understanding that where you have a need, God has the provision. You just need to ask him for it. Father God does not withhold from us what we need to get us to beg him for, for, for them. He knows what we need, even before we ask. And he has it ready for us at just the right time. And sometimes that's the problem. We want it in our time when he says, it's in my time. The father of the lost son knew what his son needed to be reminded that he was a son and not a slave. And that is why he clothed him the way he did. Father God does that for each one of us when we come to him and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He clothes us in robes of righteousness, purity, and holiness. 
and proclaims that we are his son or daughter and throws a party for us. Don't you just love that about our Heavenly Father? We are no longer slaves to sin, but sons and daughters of the living God. If you are not a son or daughter of the living God and would like to be one, confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, believing in your heart that he is. Then speak to someone who's born, who is a born-again believer and tell them what you have done and ask them to pray with you and for you. And if you're watching this online and you've never made a decision for Christ, you can do that. You believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and confess it with your mouth. That's what Scripture tells us to do. And then find someone who you know is a Christian and speak to them and get involved in a local church and you will grow as a son or a daughter to be who you are meant to be. For those of us here, if there's anyone that has never made that decision, do it today. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our Father who loves us. And Lord, we might look at this parable and think, I've never lived a life like that son. I was never that far off track. But Lord, each one of us was a sinner until we came to you, believed in our hearts that you are Lord and Savior, Jesus, and confessed you as our Lord and Savior. And on that day, you clothed us with your robe of righteousness. That day, you put that ring on our finger. That day, you put sandals on our feet and said, you're no longer a slave to sin, but you're a son or daughter of the living God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. Got some discussion questions? Firstly, what stood out for you in this message? Share it with those on the table with you. Secondly, have you ever felt overlooked and unimportant to God when you've seen others being celebrated? Share about it. Explain what you were going through. Thirdly, what need or needs do you have right now that, that only God can provide these provisions for? Share and ask for prayer. And then pray for one another.